1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'll be reading a couple of verses uh, from, uh, from verses 2 down to 7. And just follow along with me silently. The Bible says, so that you were in, uh, I'm sorry, chapter, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men were, we were among you for your sake." And ye became followers of us in the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And in verse 8, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in the every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we not need to speak anything. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I stand behind the sacred desk, grace for great men of God, grace by Pastor Chapel for many, many years. Thank you for the privilege that you have accorded me to stand here and preach the Word of God. Lord, I am nothing. I pray that you will stand in front of me, that they will not see me, that they will see Christ as I delve into the message of God this morning. I pray that you will sit down by the Spirit of God, sit within uh, our midst today that uh, we will have uh, the appetite to focus our hearts, minds, thoughts, interests in the things of God. Lord, may Christ be elevated. As John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Lord, speak to your people. Thank you for West Coast Baptist College and the influence of Lancaster Baptist Church all over the world. Continue, Lord, to bless Pastor Chapel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. The foundational principle of our faith is the Word of God. I praise God for the Word of God. Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the bones and marrows, and it's the discerner of every intent and purposes of our heart. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Theoretically, it is the Word of God that gives us understanding on how faith must be practiced. Once we understand the principles of faith, application begins. Application is the actual practice of those principles that govern our Christian life. There is a difference between the application of your faith and the communication of your faith. Application is inward. Communication is outward. We are reminded by the words of Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Even Apostle Paul recognize the fact he's not an orator. He's not a very articulate man when it comes to the delivery of the message of God. But he was so effective in communicating the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
not by his oratory or not by his articulateness, but I believe, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why Apostle Paul was very effective in communicating his faith is because of his personal life, his testimony. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. I praise God for the power of the gospel. The Bible also reminds us that the gospel came not in old time by the will of man, but holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. The prophecy came not in old time. The gospel came not unto us in word only, but the power and of the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. I praise God for how the power of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ work in my heart and in my life. God save. I've been in the ministry for 35 years now, 19 years as a pastor and 16 years as a pastor's problem. Because all of you are pastor's problem. And in those 35 years, God molded and changed my life. In 35 years of my journey as a pastor, God molded me to the point that I found reason and purpose in my own life. And that purpose is to do the business that God wants me to do. As a businessman for 16 years, it's not easy to give up your business and see your family. I was the sole breadwinner in my family. Uh, things are doing well with my business. I was running four companies back then. When I surrendered my life full-time in the ministry, I asked my wife, what do you think? She said, go. You don't need to ask me, go. But... Uh, I had a lot of apprehension. I had a lot of fears. I had a lot of, uh, of uh, negative thoughts that came into my mind about going full-time in the ministry. How can I feed my children? How can I send them to school? How can I provide a wonderful life for my family? But I thank God that God provided for all of those. It's all by faith. I started the work back in 2000 in uh, Carson, California. I had no support. My only support was $100 a month. I went there by faith. May sound dumb, but I didn't know what's, what's deputation is all about. I didn't know how to get money. How, I didn't know how to go to churches and ask for support from different churches. I was, it was my third year of college here. My pastor asked me, by the way, Faith Baptist Church, thank God for that. Pastor told me the, there's a pastor in Torrance that wanted to start a Asian, an Asian ministry. I went there, and when I got there, uh, he told me, we can't, we can't pay you. And whatever the uh, offering will go to you. I said, wonderful. So I, the first Sunday, uh, uh, we had an $82 offering. I said, wow, we had buffet. We're going to have buffet. The next Sunday, we had about 150. Six months after, we were running about 40, 50 people. And we are reaching an offering of about 
400 and 500. Souls are getting saved, soul winning. Three times a week I would travel to Carson, California to knock on doors and talk to people about the Lord. In the eighth month, uh, we were running about 60, 70 people. Less than a year, we were hitting about, about 180, 100 people. And at that time, the pastor found out that our offering has reached $800 a week. He called me and he said, Pastor, or Brother Rudy, he says, why don't you bring your offering here and we'll support you. <laughs> I said, okay, that's fine. But all those one year of ministry, it wasn't all a bed of roses. There were times that I got frustrated. I think I shared this to you last time I preached here. During the first month of the ministry, we had my mom passed away. That was my very first funeral service that I conducted. She was one of those first converts and one of those people that got baptized under the ministry that I was pastoring. The second month of the ministry, my son, my two sons, got involved in a terrible accident. My other son almost got killed in that accident. It was the summer of 2000. I started doubting the calling of God upon my life. I said, Lord, are you really calling me? First month, my, my mom passed away. The second month, my, my son, uh, he was there in the hospital undergoing surgery and Doctors told me that he has a 50-50 chance of survival. He was airlifted at Yosemite all the way to Children's Hospital in Modesto. My wife was weeping and I was crying. My other son was in the other hospital, brought in the ambulance. Praise the Lord, he survived. Underwent many surgeries. On the third month of the ministry, reeling from my son's accident, my wife called me and she said, I was diagnosed with cancer. I said, three months. You know what I did? I went out when sought for Christ. I was the only encouragement I could find to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I had some, my dad was, was saved under my ministry. My brother saved in the ministry. My sister-in-law got saved in the ministry. Four of them in seven years, God took them away. I did all their funeral service. I still have four siblings left, and they don't want to come to our church because they don't want to be the fifth one to die. But thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for the grace of God that sustained me all these years. And I praise the Lord for that. In our text this morning, I want to share to you how Apostle Paul was an effective communicator of his faith. First of all, notice what the Bible says in verse 5. For a gospel came not unto you in word only, but of power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. If you drop down also in verse 7, you'll realize that the church in Thessalonica is a model church. As a matter of fact, the Bible reveals that when he says that in verse 7, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. What a great influence that uh, church in Thessalonica had with the churches in Macedonia and the church in Achaia. Why is that? We talk about missions conference and one of the favorite texts in the missions conference is 
in, 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 the, in the passage in Corinthians about how the churches in Macedonia gave uh, liberally in spite of their deep poverty. And by the way, that was the influence of the church of Thessalonica. And not only that, the church of Thessalonica's communication of faith reached all the way all over the world. And notice in verse 8, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God ward is spread abroad. This is the second missionary journey of Apostle Paul when he founded the church of Thessalonica. On his third missionary journey, he found out that the, the influence of the church of Thessalonica is sounding. Didn't have a problem talking to them about the word of God. Why? Because their faith has stretched all the way in every place that Apostle Paul goes. But let's look for a moment, how did that happen? Let's look at the foundation of the church of Thessalonica. Well, first of all, we see here the effectiveness of Paul's communication of the faith is because of his boldness in his action. Notice in verse chapter 2 before we go to the book of Acts. In chapter 2, the Bible says, For yourself, verse 1, Brethren, how our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So Apostle Paul was a bold man when it comes to his reaching out, when it comes to his action of reaching people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 17, we'll find that this was the start of the church of Thessalonica. In verse 1, the Bible says, chapter 17 of the book of Acts, in verse 1, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis in Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews. But I want you to take note in verse 2. He says, and Paul says, what's the next word there? Manner. Was went into them in three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scripture. I want to draw your attention to the word manner there. You see, everywhere Apostle Paul goes, it was his manner to go to synagogues and preach the word of God. It was his manner to reach out to people. It was his manner to go soul winning. You see, the word manner there really means habit. Habit. It's something that is developed. In other words, we could also use the word manner as mannerism. I don't know about you, but I was growing up with bad mannerism. I always twitch my nose, and uh, I do it this way. My mannerism, when I was in elementary, my mannerism is this. I can't stop it. I just can't stop it. One day, my mom told me, she said, can you please stop it? I said, I can't. She said, why don't you stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself and do it over and over again. And I look at myself. And you know what she said? She told me this. She said, you know, son, you're making yourself ugly. 
because you're handsome. And I said, I just couldn't stop. When I look at myself in the mirror, I started twitching my nose with that bad mannerism. Then I realized it was really bad. I had a son who's now my assistant pastor who had that mannerism. The same thing I told him, you know, son, you are, you're handsome, but look at yourself in the mirror. His mannerism is worse. Not only he twitches his nose, but he's, I don't know how to explain it, but it does it like this. Circles <laughs> his eye. I told him, you know what? How can you find a wife? <laughs> if Brother Joseph doesn't have a mannerism, I'm much more than you. And I told him, and you know what he told me? He said, Dad, I cannot stop it. Apostle Paul cannot stop preaching the Word of God. He had the habit. He had the manner. Everywhere he goes, he preaches the Word of God. Everywhere he goes, he talked to people about the Lord. You know, it's a good thing with this college that is about 800 people or 900 going out soul winning. It's good. Well, you have company with you. And some of you, you're excited to go soul winning because of some dates. Well, that's exciting. But have you ever gone soul winning by yourself? Planting a church by yourself? Nobody's telling you to go out and win souls for Christ. I thank God for this school. I thank God because in this school, I have learned that manner. I have developed that habit of going out and reaching people and knocking on doors. Because when God called me to the city of Torrance, it was just me and my family on a Thursday evening or on a Saturday morning. No one else. It will take a while before people will start coming and joining you in soul winter. It is lonely, my friend. But if it's a manner, but if you develop that habit of talking to people about the Lord, he was so bold. Apostle Paul, everywhere he goes, he talked to people about the Lord. And that's the reason why the church in Thessalonica exploded. And that's the reason why they, they emulated Apostle Paul. You've heard quite often that everything rises and falls in leadership. I thank the Lord for Lancaster Baptist Church. And all the staff here go out and win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And this church uh, is an example. Not only in, in the U.S., but all over the world. Everywhere I go, I go to, I was in, in Dubai, I just arrived two weeks, about a week and a half ago. Every church I preach, the book of Pastor Chapel is there. They talk about Pastor Chapel. They're excited about the Asian Leadership Conference next year. They will be flying from Dubai. And by the way, pray for Dubai. Middle East would be the last place I would ever go. It was an opportunity for me to go four years ago or three years ago in Bahrain. Invited me to preach in an anniversary. When I went there, the, uh, a week before my flight, I was so scared and with bad image about these Muslim countries. I said, I'm not going to go to Bahrain. 
I'm even praying to the Lord, Lord, I hope that there will be an event that will stop me from going to Bahrain. I look at the State Department, the Bahrain is part of the Arab Spring, and there is a, a, a uh, uh, travel advisory from the State Department. Well, one of my members who was stationed in Bahrain, he said, Pastor, when I was talking to our people to pray for me, he told me, Pastor, don't worry, we have the Sixth Fleet stationed in Bahrain. Well, I went to Bahrain, I preached the Word of God. The church runs about 100, 120. They invited people, and there were almost 350 people showed up. More than 100 people got saved. From that day, I started coming back through invitations of different churches in, in Dubai. And listen, my friend, please pray for the Middle East. Middle East right now is on the verge of changing politically and spiritually. This year alone in January, it was the first time that a religious person that ever stopped, stepped in. The capital city of United Arab Emirates, which is Abu Dhabi, the most conservative outside of Saudi Arabia. The Pope went there. Not only the Pope went there, this is the first time in the history of the Middle East that a Pope stepped in into the GC, GCC countries comprised of seven countries. Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, um, Oman, uh, United Arab Emirates, and, and all uh, three other countries. It's a year of tolerance, they say. If my information is right, this will be the first time in the history of Middle East that they are going to start a synagogue in Abu Dhabi. Some of you might be called there. I pray, I'm praying for one of our staff, my youth leader, Brother Tristan here, pray for Dubai. And by the way, they don't have, they don't have the same freedom that we have here. Listen, don't take lightly and don't take for granted the freedom that you have here in the United States of America. Go out and see the Muslim countries and go to countries that are so restricted when it comes to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's absolutely no reason why we should not be bold in preaching the word of God here in the United States when some of the people over there, I, we go on a midweek service most of the people in the Middle East are migrant workers. United Arab Emirates has 8.9 million population. 7 million are migrant workers. That's a mission field. And they work all the way until 7.30. Pastor, Dr. R, their midweek service starts at 8.30 in the evening. And these people don't even have cars. They will take the metro or have somebody pick them up. And I was there sitting. It was already 9 o'clock, and the preaching hasn't started yet. I said to the preacher, preacher, it's 9 o'clock. You haven't started yet. The preacher said, pastor, they're used to that. I said, yeah, they're used to it, but I'm not. We started preaching at 9.30. And then they have late dinner. They go home at 12. 
and they're excited. The next day they'll work, they'll wake up at five o'clock to work. These are the Christians in the Middle East right now. Pray for them. Apostle Paul was bold in his action. And that's the reason why he was so effective in communicating his faith. Not only that, number two, notice what the Bible says. Let's go back to Thessalonians. Not only that, we see here uh, in verse uh, in verse 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God's word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Not only he was bold in his action, but it is very clear that Apostle Paul's desire is to reach the world. He has big in his aspiration. Big in his aspiration. He aspires something big. We read or we listen and we hear these these, uh, words from William Carey, attempt great things from God and expect great things for God. Uh, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. But listen, are we really doing it? I've been to many, many churches and preached the Word of God, and, and they teach about faith, and we all, we all listen to faith and how faith would work. But listen, my friend, sad to say, many people are not really practicing faith. Even pastors, I'm so, sorry to say that. People will say, ah, oh, this is my desire I thank the Lord for this place. Pastor Chapel, when he was called, he had big aspiration. Because listen, my friend, we have a big God. In my travel to Dubai, I met a guy. I was preaching and he was just sitting there. I didn't know who he was. And I preached after I preached the invitation. I led the invitation. He came forward. After the church is over, he, we had lunch and we talked and he introduced himself and he said he's a surgeon, he's a doctor. I didn't know, I thought it was just, he was an Indian national doctor but grew up in London. He said, Pastor, I'd like to invite you. You like Indian food? I said, yes, I'm a Baptist, I like to eat. How many of you don't want to eat food, you know? So I went there and he said, the pastor picked me up. And then the pastor said, let's pass by his hospital. Went to his hospital, and he was doing some surgery. And this uh, British lady approached us and led us to the lobby, to the reception area. And she said, doctor wants you to turn around. So I turned around, and he showed me some pictures. And I saw pictures of Tiger Woods. I saw pictures of Maradona and Serena Williams and um, Cristiano Christian Ronaldo, all these big celebrities. I said to the lady, who are these pictures? Who are these people? She said, these are his patients. Patients? When the surgery was over, I walked in and I said, Doc, how are you? I saw some of those pictures. I'm going to go back to the States, and I'm going to talk to LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, and I'll recommend them to you. He was laughing. We developed friendship. 
I was so embarrassed every time. I feel so small when I talk to him. He is a man of faith. He sat down and he said, Pastor, I have a vision to reach the world. He says, pray for me, Pastor. I showed him about a year ago. We were in the Philippines. My, my wife decided to celebrate his, her birthday in a public school. We had a feeding and then preached the word of God. That school was named after her uncle. And so we uh, preached the word of God. I showed her. I showed him the video. And he said, Pastor, can we do this again? I said, sure. But can we do it in a bigger scale? I said, what do you mean? Maybe you think you can, we can feed 30,000? I said, are you serious? 30,000? He says, yes, Pastor, maybe 50,000. Can you organize it? This March, I organized, communicated with more than 40 churches in five provinces in the Philippines. Organized in five days, we preached to 50,000 people in the Philippines. 35,000, we fed them with McDonald's and Jollibee. That is the counterpart of McDonald's in the Philippines. 50,000, we came back. He was so excited. He was so happy. He says, Pastor, this is just a pilot project. Next year, we'll feed 100 to 200,000 people. It opened my eyes. I said, we have a big God. You know what he told me? Pastor, you have to think big because we have a big God. And listen, don't confine yourself only on what you see. Think about the big God that we heard, that we have. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That amazing. Think big, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. You need to have a big in your aspiration so that one day it maybe one of you here or maybe few of you here would be able to start a church similar to this and touch the world. There are seven point something billion people in the world today. I'm closely working with this man and he says, Pastor, we'll reach the world. Maybe a year or two years from now, we'll feed simultaneously in India, in Bangladesh, Cambodia, Vietnam, Philippines, and we will reach as much as one million people, feed them, and preach to them the Word of God. Out of those 50,000 kids and staff and teachers that we preach on, I don't know how many got saved, but every one of them, as many of them, majority of them raised their hands. Some of them were weeping, receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and personal Savior. Why? There was a man who was big in his aspiration. And I captured that. And only that. I'm just about to close. Let's go back to Thessalonians 
Not only we see the reason why he was effective in communication of the faith is because, first of all, he was bold in his action. Number two, he was big in his aspiration. But number three, notice in verse 6, the Bible says, And ye become followers of us of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. He says, we receive the, uh, the, power, the, 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 the word of God in much affliction. And listen, my friend. When the church of Thessalonica was started in the previous chapter, in chapter 16, he was, he just got out of jail. In chapter 16, imagine, think about how Apostle Paul was a man of burden for souls. Notice what the Bible says. Let's go to chapter 16. He was thrown in jail along with Silas and while they were in shackles and in a very damp place. And, and they prayed and they were rejoicing. Oh, what a joy. You look at chapter 16. The Bible says, Acts chapter 16. In verse 25, and at midnight, Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. The prisoners heard them and said that there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoner had been fled. And Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for night and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Brought them out and said, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? I want you to stop there. Well, a casual reading of that will not see the implicit conversation of Apostle Paul and his Philippian jailer. When the sovereign power of God shook the prison cell, Let's pray. It's 35 minutes. Give me five minutes and I'm done. The prison cell started shaking. He saw that all the prisoners and all the shackles had been unshackled. And so the Philippian jailer wanted to kill himself. And Apostle Paul stopped him. And Apostle Paul implicitly, why am I saying that? Because the response of the Philippian jailer was this. What must I do to be saved? Don't you think the Apostle Paul probably have said, Hey, don't kill yourself first. You need to be saved. In human reaction, the Philippian jailer, who was part of the conspiracy, put him in jail, wants to kill himself. That would have been a vindication for Apostle Paul. My reaction probably, even though I'm a pastor, put me in shackles. My reaction is this, go kill. Here, let me help you kill. <laughs> we laugh. Yeah, I think that would be our reaction, right? Right, brother? The mission field when people are Go, you know. Huh? I don't have to kill you. I'm gonna kill myself. 
Apostle Paul said, wait, you need to be saved. After you get saved, go kill yourself. <laughs> Why did he ask Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He bled in affliction. And in spite of the bleeding of his affliction, he was still thinking about souls. He was still reaching to the most defiled, to the most person that inflicted him. Apostle Paul had stripes all over his body. He was bruised all over his body. And yet he says, you need to be saved first. Don't kill yourself. And there was a transformation. And you know, I'm, I'm out of time. And you know what happened next is that this man brought Apostle Paul to his own home. And the Bible says he wiped the bruises of Apostle Paul from an enemy to a dear brother in Christ. That's the power of the gospel. That is why Apostle Paul was very effective in communicating the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he was not only bold in his action, not only he had big aspiration, but he was willing to bleed in affliction. Then came the blessed abundance of Apostle Paul. Many of you will be graduating. Many of you will be going to the mission field. Many of you will be called as a staff. Develop that manner. Be bold in your action. Go and talk to people about the Lord. Have a big vision for God. And you will suffer. You'll bleed to affliction, but continue regardless of what, continue to talk to people. Put souls in your heart to reach more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ.